Uh, yeah, yeah, come on in, Jimmy. Uh, cl- uh, close the door behind you and have a seat. Uh, okay. You know, I-, I got this new job here. I'm president now of the Parents Association for the Little League Team of the Purgatory Pelicans. And as such, you know, I, I get to work with the coach as well. So have a seat. This this is like the hardest job that a president of a Little League team ever has to do. And that's, well, the, the job of coach, we're kind of reimagining that, you know. We, we're, we're kind of seeing some irreconcilable uh, differences, you know. So uh, uh, we, we think we're going to go in another direction, Jimmy. Wait a minute. Are you saying I'm fired? Uh, yeah, that that's kind of it. What happened, man? Is it because I, I ate too much of the pizza at the party the other night? No, no, that's not it. What, well, is it because I, I you know, went ahead and, and benched your kid, little Tommy? Oh, no, 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 that's not it. Hey, hey wait a minute. My, my phone's ringing. It's my agent, Scott. Hey, Scott. What's that? Oh, you you got another job offer for me. What What, what is it? General manager or, or manager? And, and who's this with? The Mets? Uh, well, you know, I've got a job right now. I, I, I'm delivering pizza for Pizza Hut, so I don't know if I'll be available. But thank you, Scott. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host. And with me today, I have Mr. Matt Germain. Matt is the king of all knowledge when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays and especially all about the prospects and the farm system. We're going to get a bit of a deep dive into that and a better understanding of what it takes to build a team like the Rays and what that future is going to look like as well. So, Matt, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And a lot of folks may not know you've been a writer as well from like the Rays Bay and a lot of other things online. And certainly, if if you haven't seen Matt on Twitter, I think I said this before in previous uh, show, definitely check him out. And you're at uh, Matt underscore, oh, it's underscore Matt, M-A-T underscore Germain, G-E-R-M-A-I-N. Am I correct? That's correct. All right, boys and girls. So anyway, we know we're talking about a knowledgeable fella. And if you haven't looked at it, you're, it's amazing all the depth that you see on these teams. Looking at what just just happened recently. As far as the raise year, we're not going to go through all this for boys and girls. We, we've lived it. We know what the season was like. and It was good. It was fun. But it's what does it take to build those teams? And, hey, how about we celebrate what they've done? We, we got the Milby Awards coming out the other day. That's right. the Minor League Baseball of the Year Award. What recognition did the Rays get on this? Uh, well, first, the, the Minor League uh, Pitcher of the Year was Tosh Bradley. Bradley who lit it up through, you know, the entire season, really. There was no let up in his game. He, he was close to 11 uh, Ks per nine, um, 2.5 uh, walks per nine, and his XFIP was great. But more than anything, it was his mountain presence that I was impressed with whenever you watched him. The, the minor leagues know how to set these awards, and, and it just the impressive package that he has to offer – uh, it just speaks that he's going to be a high caliber pitcher, probably in the same kind of way as Shane Boz is. Ah. When you put those two together, <laughs> that's it's going to be serious, you know, ammunition for the Rays. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that because I mean, 
watching Shane come up and doing the Olympics and everything else and, and still making it to this ma- the majors this past year has been been exciting. You mentioned a, a, a stat, XFIB. I don't know if everybody's going to know what that means. Can you tell us what that is? Right. So it's the expected uh, fielding independent uh, pitching. So it's basically what you can expect that pitcher's ERA to be based on past performances. Uh, okay. And so to me, it's, it's a pretty good reflection on where he's headed. Uh, more so than what he did. Uh, if you want, you know, what he actually did, then you can go with the ERA or the FIP, which is, you know, fielding independent. Um, so you can actually get a feel by combining those three of where that pitcher stands. Now, when you look at his ERA, for instance, he's been below two the entire season. Wow. He was uh, 1.7, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, in low A, and then 1.9 in, in high A. So he barely, you know, saw a difference on the way up. He literally could have pitched in double A by the end of the season. He looked that strong. So I, I'm expecting big things. I think more than likely they'll start him off in double A next year, unless they feel he still has something he needs to work on and then, you know, promote him early in the season. Um, but more than likely double A. And, and that just, there's a reason the Rays are able to move a lot of pitchers like Joel Ryan and Drew Strotman and Peyton ba- Battenfield, because they have so many guys coming up that they have to groom and Taj is definitely one at the top of the list. And then the other guy that got accolades was Colby uh, White. And, and he's one guy that went through four levels and at every level. And I watched a lot of his games. It just, it was almost unfair. It was like trying to watch uh, guys catch up to Colin Poche's uh, fastball. <laughs> they just seemed baffled by what they were seeing. Right. And so when you see hitters being uncomfortable in the box, that's a great, great great thing to watch um so you know you're, you're on to something special with with that pitcher and, and kobe is one of those guys that could impact the raise pen next year well yeah that, that's the thing too i mean seeing seeing these folks come up the rays are so deep in their farm system i mean i would venture to say that uh, one of the reasons the rays able to keep their payroll down so low is because they've done so much to nurture this talent in the farm system you, mm-hmm. you know i mean this past year uh I hated to see Adamas go, but I kept waiting to see when's Franco going to come up. You know, when's Bruhan? When's when's Taylor Walls going to come up? Are we going to be a little heavily laden when it came to the start stop? You can pay a guy half a million, or you can pay a guy a few million, and it's it's a world of difference. But if you got a strong farm system, you're going to see a, a, some quite a bit of turn in who you have out there on the field, or you can. Right. And and if you take a, a, a look backwards just quickly and you look back at where, you know, before the season began, we knew that innings were going to be, you know, in need for most teams. They're going to they're going to need a plethora of pitchers. And the Rays had enough pitching that they were able to just deal away Rich Hill. No problem. Yeah, we've got enough, you know, because of the other moves we made and what we have in the system. And, and they were they were pitching rich the entire season. And in the season that was that demanding on, on pitchers that weren't really high innings, there was one guy that had high number of innings, you could say, for the raise above 150 innings. So that's incredible that they were able to do that. The taxing on the arms that they have now, they're actually able to maybe ask them to do a little bit more next year. So I think the raise should get a lot of recognition for that. They're not overtaxing the arms that they did have. Um, and that'll bode well for 22 for sure. Yeah, that that's, I think it's a good point about not overtaxing the arms, you know, watching the world series, 
and looking at what's happened with that there with the Astros and the Braves, I kept thinking, who do the, who are they going to have in reserve? You know, Max Fried, are they really going to continue putting him out there? Snit, uh, okay. Well, I mean, he did real well, but if if he started suffering, if he had, sir, what was it? Oh, geez, one of the guys are not in the World Series and one of the postseason games pitcher or Sid was it? Uh, got his arm felt dead. He had a dead arm, and I thought that's what can happen when you have this guy pitch uh, what what two or three days rest, and and how many innings are you going to pitch? The Rays had that happen with Shane McClanahan. I know yep. for a fact. Like the. I still don't understand why they had to go with Shane. They could have gone a multitude of other routes. I would have kept them for a game later. And, and I still have that vision in my mind of him throwing chairs around in the tunnel. And I'm hoping that it doesn't scar him because it was the second year in a row that he struggled in the, in the playoffs. And, yeah. and that can have a lasting effect. I don't think it will, but um, I'm just saying that teams have to recognize that they can't ask at the end of the year when you have so little left in the tank. You know, there's very few Madison Bumgarners out there that are, you know, able to pull out the, the aces all the time. Max yeah. Scherzer was one, maybe. But you need to be a complete pitcher. You need five pitches to be able to do that because you need to trick guys if you don't have the gas, right? So, anyways, yeah, that's that, – those are the accolades. And also, I don't want to – I want to mention Durham Bulls as well. They got the minor league team of the year. Good. And, and I've said this on Twitter multiple times. They would have beaten at least four or five teams in, in Major League Baseball last year in, in a game in a seven game series. And I, I will go to I even went to against Baseball America staff telling them exactly why, you know, that I, I believe that to be a fact. Uh, they had so much talent, especially if you keep Wander on the Durham Bulls. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, so, I mean, <laughs> the, the fans in Durham were spoiled, and I think they're going to be spoiled again next year, more so than people think. Well, I mean, because let's face it, the Rays roster gets crowded, and mm-hmm. we still have uh, quite a few talented guys. If there's an injury or somebody a little rehab, or maybe they just need to do some nuance on their talent, you know, send them down to Durham. <laughs> Man, the talented. I, if I was going to be in a minor league market, I guarantee on you that I would want to be in Durham. I mean, I've said that time and again. If I had to move somewhere else into a baseball market again yeah. without a major league, that's where I'd want to be. I'd have season tickets for sure. And then hopefully a job that lets me go to all those games. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, brother. What? While the season's done, you know, World Series has been complete. Braves have, have won, and God bless them. It was a long, hard road. And hats off to uh, to their GM, man, oh, man, for bringing all those folks in toward the end. But right. uh, before all that even completed, a lot of players not on those teams were already heading out to Arizona for the fall league. And I know what uh, – what is it, the, the Scorpions that we had some yeah. of the Rays on there? What what were they doing? Have, do you remember anything about that or have anything you can so share? I- I'll be quite honest. I haven't followed it as closely as, as years previous. And the reason for that is because I used to watch the games. You can't watch the games yeah. anymore. And I find that to be the most ridiculous thing ever. I, I, it's a marketing fail for Major League Baseball. They should be nationalized. Like they shouldn't even be on MLB TV. They should be national TV broadcasts. These are the best players coming up. Yes, they're they're not playing for their normal teams, but that makes it even better. It's like a six-team all-star game, basically. You know, of of I'm not gonna say all of them are all-stars, but a good portion of them are guys that the teams are trying to get a look at or more playing time for. 
because they're so close to the majors and they want to get a look at them in a different scene, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're looking at the Rays, for instance, they sent Curtis Mead, who's got the fourth most hits so far in, in the league at, with 23, and he's just the talk of the town. He's got a hitting streak going. He's he's hitting the ball well. He's not walking much. He's only got three walks. But against some of the best pitching, he's doing what he did shortly for the time he was in Durham. He's showing that he's very close to being a major league ready, you know, hitter. And and for the Rays who've had this, you know, um, I don't I don't want to say like stability between Wendell and Choi at right. first and third base. It's almost time now because of their salaries to start flipping the page, right? So the timing couldn't really be any better for them. And they, they brought in Austin Shenton as well, who's also going to come into play in that sense a little bit. But if they were to look to upgrade one of those positions, either they can use Curtis Mead or they can actually use him in trade and go get a Matt Olson or somebody else if they want, right? Um, so it, it gives them a lot of options. The other guys that they have there are Matt Dyer, who's a, like I said before, a great prospect they got from the Mets, uh, for Rich Hill. That was a ridiculously lopsided deal. <laughs> and it's not a knock on Rich Hill. Rich Hill did great for the Mets. Yeah. He had more gas left in the tank than I would have predicted. Cause at the time I thought he was about to fizzle out, but he did well for him. Um, it's more about, you're going to get six to seven years of Matt Dyer. <laughs> It's for a 41-year-old pitcher. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then they had also Carlos Garcia, who uh, made the all-star team as well. They have an all-star game for the AFL. I don't know if you know that. No. Uh, but both um, Curtis Mead and Carlos Garcia. Uh, Garcia is a high-velocity thrower. Uh, went to the ABL for a while um, and, and spent some time there. Hit 100 miles an hour while he was down there. Uh, he hasn't hit as that as often in the minors this year but i think it's because he's trying to refine his location and not be as wild as he was for certain periods of time but great right you know hander he can move really fast next year uh, if he gets everything zoned in and and like i said be an impact again uh, for the rays out of the pen but making it into the race pen is no easy feat you can ask phoenix sanders all about that he's done everything he can do and he still can't break the the mold. So, what can you do? It's pardon me. It's interesting to see. You know, as they are moving up, and he's moving out. Last year, Brandon, my my co, who's co-host here, sometimes I said, "Well, before the season started, I said, I'm surprised we still have Adamas. I said he's mm-hmm. great. I love him. I want to keep him here, but I'm surprised we still have him. And right. just because of what I said earlier, but with the talent that we saw coming up, and it didn't surprise me. And more recently, I said. I don't see us keeping Joey Wendell. I love Joey Wendell. I want to see Joey Wendell out there at infinitum, but there's all this great talent down there. I, I, I sincerely see that by midseason he'll be gone. Yeah, I, I still don't know. Like, I, I see Taylor Walls taking over that role eventually, um, and a lot of people are talking about moving Taylor Walls in trade. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. He's, no. too, he's too elite of a defender. He fits so well in the raised mold, and his versatility plays up. So I – I think there's more chance that they trade Vidal Bruhan, for instance, than they do Taylor Walls, both for that and the fact that I think Vidal may have more trade value. But but the, Joey Wendell could be kept because he fits into the outfield as well. He's shown the ability to play out there. So even as a super utility guy, maybe a little bit like what Kike did, you know, he, he can actually move around wherever the Rays need him. And he's such a, a tone setter in terms of the work ethic. and. Oh. and 
you know, the, the pre professional presence, you can't buy that kind of presence. Now, has it rubbed off on Brandon Lau and some of the other guys to the point where you can say, okay, well, we don't need Joey because it's rubbed off? Uh, I don't know. It depends on what the Rays feel. But I, I still think that the guy who's going to move next is KK. And it has everything to do with Josh Lowe uh, and the fact that so many teams need help in center field. They have money to spend now, more so than in a long time, I find. Um, and once Starling Marte goes, I think KK is going to be moved and the Rays are going to kind of be able to more afford Joey Wendell than they would have otherwise. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that as far as KK, <clears throat> as far as KK and the weight that he carries salary. And yeah, they, they can certainly afford Wendell if they move KK. Just briefly on KK, I got to tell you, I was not completely surprised, but a little disappointed to see that KK was not up there for center fielder with the awards. And um, I don't, you know, I, I got to admit, I haven't seen enough of Michael Taylor to make a judgment on yeah. what he presented. But having seen KK for year after year and what he's doing all the time, he started this year slow, though, and I wonder if that's what hurt him. Um, because when you re initially were going through the baseball savant stat, and I don't know how much they weigh into that at all. Uh, sometimes they think they coin flip it. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. but, but statistically speaking, the, the metrics were saying that he was starting slow. And I don't know if it was a knee issue, which he ended up getting you know cleaned up once the season ended. Um, but there's something was slowing him down a little bit where his jumps were, I don't want to say slower, but they were kind of not as direct as what they were you know, normally. So right. maybe that did hurt him. I don't know. I don't either, but he's he's exciting to watch. <laughs> Sometimes you think, okay, maybe a little theater was involved there, but that's okay because it's great watching, period. And if that time comes where he goes, then yes, uh, it'll be sad, but I certainly see the need to keep that team fresh. Without getting too much in, folks, right now, the CBA is coming up, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, which is – there's all kinds of news out there saying, oh, this is going to go to heck. There's going to be a work stoppage. Your guys are going to be locked out, blah, blah, blah. You know, watch the news for that. We're not going to delve into that too much. But but the thing of it is um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of ifs. Let's see if I can. But where was I going? <laughs> they, they've already yeah, – I don't know if you know this, but they've already taken down the pictures of the guys at, at the trop in the, in the front of the building at the gate. Yeah. Took down all the pictures. <laughs> so originally what I was told is that they bought a black fabric that they were just going to lay over top of those guys if they were locked out. Kind of like saying, you know, black market or whatever. Oh, so, geez. So instead of doing that, they decided to just take the pictures down. Now, I don't know if they're going to put up something new eventually and they were going <laughs> to do that anyway. I don't know what happened, but. Oh, it's not the message sent out to the public. Uh, uh -huh. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess you could have, you know, black and purple drapes over the images and sadness that there's a dirge or something playing in the background. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, flowers can be laid in front of the building. Oh, you know, I, I'll just say one more thing about this. Baseball suffered in a hard way in 94, 95. Mm -hmm. Friends I know walked away from the game completely then. And it saddens me. I hope and pray that these folks can get together, hold their hands together, do the kumbaya, and keep a season for us coming up. So 
will uh, we will have hopeful anticipation. Right. You know, we did that little kind of joke thing in there at the beginning about coaches and <laughs> who's who's where and who may be going somewhere. Uh, I was scared for a moment. Somebody said, "Hey, Mark, you know, looking over at first base." You're not going to see Ozzie Timmons this year. I said, what, yeah. what, 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 what are you talking about? I'm not going to see Ozzie Timmons. No, no, he, he's going to be focusing more on the hitting. I said, oh, good, he's still with the Rays. But it's going to be so weird this year. i got to tell you, man, looking over at first base and not seeing Ozzie. Yeah, it, you know what? I, I think you might have just uh, gotten a little bit uh, used to being on the bench a little bit more. And, and you know, those, pe- those push-ups wear them out. So, Ooh. you know, you got to <laughs> – you got to have a rest once in a while. The, the older you get, those push-ups get harder and harder. So uh, I think uh, it'll be a good change. It's always good to shift things around and keep yeah. things fresh a little bit. So I don't see much into it. I also know Rodney Linares is teaching or teaching, managing down in the uh, Dominican in the winter leagues. Yeah, he so, did it last year too, I think. But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and he's got uh, Brett Sullivan, who's a minor league free agent now. He's not owned by the Rays at all. They can bring him back if they want, but um and, and alex valverde who's another uh, uh kind of strong right arm from you know he's in double a and i think he's he's still got legit legs to be you know an impact if he wants um but he's got those two and he's got albert pujols on his team oh yeah which would be a very interesting platoon option if the rays wanted to bring him in to to pair with austin meadows because their splits play so well against each other but I don't know. That's just throwing caution in the wind, I think, and seeing where it lands. But replacing him, you know, replacing Cruz with him would cost a lot less, I think, in terms of salary. Um, and and it, I just don't know if Albert would be on board. But if anybody can yeah. convince him, Rodney can, right? That's yeah, the- yeah. I, I love it that Rodney's there. Yeah, I love that he could – man, wouldn't that be something? I mean, I'd hate to see Nelly go. We have needed a season leader for the rest of the team that's not the coach. Obviously, if we look back and said more recently, Charlie Morton. And then when he left, you know, Rich Hill was took that mantle to some degree. And then Nelly, you know, Nelson Cruz took that. So I was wondering who might that be? And it, you know, Pujols, yeah, that'd be great. I, I don't think he's going to return to to St. Louis. but uh, well, uh, And that's the thing. I think if you look around the league and you say, well, who has an option at DH that we know of, right? Because. Assuming he signs pre-CBA, we don't know what will happen post-CBA, if the National League will have a DH. We don't know what he likes, but I mean, Tampa is close enough to the, you know, to the Caribbean and whatnot that he can possibly get to wherever, you know, he wants to go uh, in those areas. He may want to play with Wander Blanco. Yeah. He may want to have that option. The Rays had Nelson Cruz play at first base. So if they had Nelson Cruz play at first base, you know they're going to be open to using Albert Pujols at first base when needed, right? Yep. So he might get more field time than he would otherwise as well. And the Rays can kind of present that as an option, saying, well, we'll give you playing time 25% of the time. So he knows he still gets at bats against right-handers as well. Not too often, but you know, just to keep him you know, getting the at-bats he needs. I think he wants 20 to 25 home runs before he, he goes in the wayside. So... We'll, we'll we'll see, but I I wouldn't be shocked just because, like I said, the cost is lower and the Rays are still in that budget zone of right. sixty to seventy five million ish, depending. And like I said, if Nelly's gone, we need I think we need that senior player. I think we need that veteran who can enlighten the young men as they're coming up. 
And mm-hmm. I don't think it hurts if you have somebody, you know, who speaks, who's, who's Hispanic and because you have so many young players, you know, who with, uh, from different countries, man, if he can talk the same language with them, all the better. So there, there's that. Of course, these days, most managers have been smart enough and coaches say, I got to learn this so I can talk to my team. <laughs> but <laughs> I do want to touch on that for a second because Wander Franco is, is driving around in a new Mercedes Benz. He's got the diamond steering wheel that they showed <laughs> on Twitter. He's a bling guy, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes guys can get carried away with that a little bit when they're young. And maybe Albert's the kind of guy that can guide him a little bit and say, you know, like, zone it in a little bit. This is important. <laughs> this is not important. Don't get too far into it, right? So I don't know if Nelly had any conversations with him about that. Maybe he encouraged it. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. It, yeah, well, it's – but looking at all these players and, and looking, like I said, that, that Nelly's going to go. Uh, do you want to talk for about for a moment about some of the free agents that we do see with the Rays? So the, the guys that they're letting go or the guys that they're getting back that they may target? Well, the guys who basically, if they want to leave, they can. Archer, Cruz, Hunter, McHugh, you know, th- those folks. And um, so go ahead. The, the two guys that I think they could possibly bring back, and it depends completely on them because I think they'd be able to get more elsewhere. Uh, is Colin McHugh and, and Michael Walker. I think Michael Walker found, you know, the way that his stuff can work, but I'm still baffled as to once they, he found it, why they didn't keep, you know, pushing it instead of keeping starting, relieving, starving. It just, it didn't make any sense to me that once they got him in the groove, they kept jungling him around. So I don't know. Maybe Colin McHugh would have the best chance. But then again, like I said, they have so many young guys they can bring in. And and the, the Rays are not completely, you know, on board with repeating guys so that they're still baffling teams with who they bring in. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But that, just to, for instance, we go back to 2020. John Curtis was excellent for the Rays. He, right. he looked, you know, exactly the kind of guy you'd want in there for two innings all the time. Well, instead of bringing him back, they dealt him. They got Evan Edwards. And they were able to bring in Colin McHugh to, to, to play that role, right? I think there's always going to be that turnover. And, and I don't know if it's to keep teams guessing or to keep guys, you know, fresh because bullpens are imperfect all the time. They're never, you're never going to find, oh, we love all our guys, you know, one through eight or one through seven. And, and so they want a plethora of guys. And Colin McHugh could play a leadership role. I don't know what his thoughts are on the team now that he's been here for a year. I know he relied on Charlie Morton's um, reasoning for for going there in the first place with how the Rays didn't bring Charlie Morton back and the way that it all played out, which is, I I have like very few mistakes the Rays have made since I've been following them closely. And, and like her, trading Herman Mar- Marquez was one. I hated that deal for the moment it happened. Uh, and, and Charlie Morton is probably the biggest mistake. Not bringing him back for this year costs them money. And, and and I know that sounds weird to say, but it costs them wins. It costs them money. And, and, and it costs them the ability to bring guys like Shane McClanahan, Shane Boz up the right way with the right leadership in place. There was no pitching leaders on that team once the, the the playoffs started, and that's a horrible way to go into the playoffs. Even Shane McClanahan was getting interviewed. He's like, I'm a rookie. He kept saying it. I'm a rookie. 
And like, I don't know what you guys are expecting from me, but I'm a rookie. And, you know, maybe keep your expectations down a little bit because I'm a rookie. <laughs> and and he felt the weight of the world on his shoulders because he knew he was still leading that staff, regardless of what he wanted. To have Charlie being able to step in there game one would have meant the world to oh, him. Yeah. And, and kind of lowered, you know, so I think it was, I really think that if you sat Eric Neander down in a, in a room with, with, you know, the truth serum in him, <laughs> he would tell you without a doubt, they wanted Charlie Morton back with the yeah. Rays and you would have signed him, you know, to an extension. But Stu Sternberg said, no, we don't have the money. Yeah. The same way he did at the deadline with Chris Bryant and, uh, and Craig Kimbrough, I firmly believe that's the way that it happened, that it played out. And so I don't put that blame on Eric Neander or Kevin Cash or any of those guys. I put it on Stu Sternberg. The, the Rays won 100 games with the work that Eric Neander and his group did. They lost the playoffs because of Stu Sternberg. End of story. I don't think there's any disagreement with you there. It comes down to resources. You know, yeah. Eric Neander doesn't get to dictate what kind of a power he has as far as the resources come in. Cause he, he doesn't completely control the wallet. You know, right. if you don't control the wallet, you don't control completely what you can bring in there. You work with as much best as you can with what you're given. And, right. you know, I, I remember I, there's something I probably say it time and time again about Eric Neander that he once said, and he was making some dis- decisions that were unpopular surprise. Uh, and he said, you know, you have to be ruthless in this job. Mm-hmm. And, I get that. But I, when he first came, I, and we may have said this before, I was upset when suddenly Longoria is not there. He's like, what, what the heck are you doing? This guy, he's, he's a legend. He's supposed to be here through, through thick and thin. He's supposed to retire here. My two favorite GMs in the sport are Alex Anthopoulos and Eric Neander. Here, here. First thing Alex Anthopoulos did when he got to Toronto, he traded Doc Halliday. He, that's the, his first trade was, was to do that. Eric Neander came in first trade. <laughs> it was close to the first trade was <laughs> Evan Longoria. So the once you've done that as a GM and you've taken that Band-Aid off where you've traded a face of a franchise, everything else seems so much more simple at that point. Yeah. And, and you need some kahunas to be able to do that. You need to have, uh, you know, first of all, the confidence in yourself being able to wear it if it goes bad. And secondly, in your team, you're, what you're really doing at that point is empowering your team of scouts, of uh, cross-checkers and everybody else that's saying, whoa, oh, well, now they're listening to us. They're getting this, they're getting that. Now they have kind of this new you know, resurgence. And both of them, in, in each case, I know for a fact, relied big time on being able to listen to their, their guys. That's why when Allison Thoughtless got to the Braves, he brought a lot of the guys from Toronto with him because he said, I, you know, these are the voices that I listen to. They're the yeah. ones who are going to guide me in the right direction. And it's the same thing with Eric Neander. Like this year, I was so afraid that Carlos Rodriguez and, and Peter Bendix and some of the guys were st- going to start getting siphoned off like they did before. And and so, and you're seeing their success across the league. Like ex-Rays guys are, you know, knowledgeable about being that kind of person that can say, well, yeah, that guy was a great, but we need something new. We need something fresh. We need something different. And so yeah, I, I love the way they operate. I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, you look, look at Hyam Bloom. You know, he left the, he left the school of Neander, and the first thing he does is get rid of Mookie Betts with the Red Sox. There you go. That's another example. <laughs> and, yeah. and what's going to happen to that team? You know, at the beginning of 2020 20 here, but 21 here, we were saying, yeah, right, uh, Red Sox. Well, you know, they'll be lucky to get catch up with the Orioles. And it's like, good gravy. You know, <laughs> uh, Mr. Bloom's done something right. <laughs> it, it was well as that team, okay? And, okay, just for fun, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I look across what's happening on these teams. And the ones that say, I want to have them back. I want to have them back. Okay. I'm not talking about any sanity or what makes sense. But every time I see Nate Valdi on, on the st- out there on the mound, I want him back. Anytime I see Hunter Renfro out there in right field, I want him back. You know, these are guys I see playing for other teams. And it just grabs me and says, dang, of course, Charlie and seeing him there with Darno. You know, those are people that you see and say, if I could have my raised team right now without it, you know, that's who I'd still want to have. So salary floor in, I think they'd still be there. Like yeah. That's the, the way it goes, right? If we had a hundred million salary floor, Charlie Morton would still be with the Rays. Travis Darno, I'm not so sure because his injury issues are kind of put him in that Nate Valdi, you know, thing where you're flipping a coin year to year. So what's gonna yeah. happen? And the first half of the season he missed with the Braves as well this year. So they had to piece things together, but yeah, I'm glad it turned out well for the Braves. I'm glad we didn't have to go through a Houston World Series win oh, because Lord. that would have been depressing. Yeah, it, it's you know it's hard. I mean, the funny thing is, I'm saying okay, I'm not pulling for an American League team. Okay, what can I tell you? But the hardest part for me to pull for the Braves, I, I enjoy pulling for the Braves. I enjoy the team. I enjoy Snit. The hardest part was seeing Dusty on the other side and. Damn, Dusty. He had a good time. He had a good time. He was just happy to be at the World Series, man. I I don't think he took it to heart, right? Uh, I probably wasn't his 10th year with the team. You know what I mean? Like, where if if you want the picture of the guy who's like, look at a picture of Kevin Cash from 2015 and look at a picture of him this year in your playoffs. The white in the hair is just. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's much gray left. It's pretty much white now. So uh, I feel for Kevin because I know he's trying to do the best he can with with the team he has, but uh, he wants to win it. He wants, you know, that opportunity. But like Dusty will tell you, sometimes it can take a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a great year. You know, we hopefully we'll get further next year. One thing I do want to say about the Rays this year, I was so glad that they actually got the deal with Zanino done, the whole opt-in thing. Last year, they drug him out. You know, they, they basically, what, they, I can't remember, did they actually DFA him last year? But they basically cut him loose at right. the end of last year. Anybody could have signed him. Yeah, and it wasn't until much later before, well, it wasn't quite, you know, when the opening day, but it was much closer to that day than I thought we would be when we re-signed him. I was so glad because especially, like you said, there was some trouble with, with Darnold was having some physical challenges, but I thought, good gravy, man. And one other thing I want to say about Zanino, he gets forgotten. I mean, it's real easy to look and say, oh, what's happening with that catcher in Kansas City who's not always a catcher? And look at the numbers that he puts up on the board. But if you look at at-bats and the number of home runs that Zanino delivers, they're going to be at least equal, if not higher, than was Perez. I'm sorry, but the Mike Zanino is a way better catcher. Thank he you. He might not be as good of a blocker, 
but overall package in terms of how he runs his staff, there's a reason the Royals didn't, you know, weren't sniffing the, the playoffs and the Rays have been doing great with Zanino behind the plate. He calls a great game. And, and that's something that's underrated and that we can't possibly rate except for by the results. Right. Um, but I do know the Rays went through a kind of a, a theory flip, if you want to call it that where like from 2010 to 2015, they were signing high-end uh, catchers, Nick Shufo, Justin O'Connor, Chris Betts, giving them millions. Uh, they were signing high-end catchers on the international market. They had David Rodriguez. They had uh, Giosser Tejeda. They had a whole bunch of guys they were giving about, you know, 250000 to 600000 on the international market. Right. So when you put all that together and then you look at the pain they went through and as a franchise, never, ever, ever, ever having a true number one catcher until now and, and having done it in trade and, and learning that catchers, you know, between the age of 28 and 32 is when they hit their sweet spot. They're yeah. comfortable enough with their defensive abilities. They can work on their hitting because they have the extra time then to actually dive into that, right? Uh, and the wear and tear, you know, they start to learn how to deal with it and, and get stronger in the right parts. So I think the Rays now are much better equipped. And that's why they keep targeting guys in trade like Matt Dyer, for instance, uh, Logan Driscoll, uh, Blake Hunt. Uh, they've brought in a lot of guys that are really high-end caliber defenders and then they'll work on the hitting and wait for them to develop as they get older. Rene Pinto, adding him to the 40-man is a huge deal. That guy is a cannon of an arm. I watched him in Durham. And there guys on first base will be afraid uh, that he'll throw behind them all the time because he will. And he has a snap throw that will take them out. So I'm excited to see him. I, I think that the catching market is, is shallow enough that if the Rays wanted to move Mejia, Rene Pinto is ready to actually move into that role. Wow. wow. Having having somebody like Zanino there to mentor him would be great. would be a tremendous opportunity. If the Rays, you know, can't afford Zanino because he repeats what he did this year, uh, next year, then at least they have Pinto to pair with Blake Hunt or whoever it ends up being, right? Um, I do hope they bring back Chris Betts, though, and give him a shot in AAA because that guy's been injured, freak injuries, this, that, the other thing. And I think there's so much more potential in his bat that they should give him a shot in AAA, kind of like what they did for Joseph Odom and, and see what he can do. Matt, I, I love your insights. You see so much deeper than any of us on a regular basis are able to see. And, you know, we see the crops as they come in, but uh, you've got a, a much greater depth of that. And I appreciate you sharing that with us today. The other thing you and I briefly talked about earlier is rookie of the year. And there's three folks for that. Two of them are Rays, uh, a Rosarina and Franco. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is, you know, there's a lot of pundits who say, well, you know, Franco hadn't been out there long enough. There's other players who've been out there more. And other ones say, well, you know, uh, see, Rosarina, he's been out there for almost two years. <laughs> so which one of these guys are rookies? But <laughs> neither, either way, the both great talents and they should be recognized. Well, I think there's a couple of differences. Randy Rosarina played, played professionally before he became a minor leaguer, right? So he, he's he got a lot more wear and tear on him. He's got a lot more experience. And and so in the clear definition of a rookie, I think Wander Franco fits the description a hell of a lot more. And the fact that he was a, a two-hole hitter that redefined the lineup once he got there yeah. and broke records as a contact hitter and on-base machine, 
Um, I I don't know. It, it's one of those things where you wish that he could have had 2020 to build, you know, his his repertoire in, in AAA so that he could have, you know, in a way, it's almost his fault. And, and I'll explain it in this way, okay? Um, he could have signed an extension. He could have gone to his agent and said, listen, I think I'm worth this, this, this. The Rays, I'm sure, you know, know what I have to offer. I'm willing to sign for this before the season starts. And he would have started with the Rays. He would have been the two-hole, the day opening day, no problem, because he was the best hitter on the team. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says. He was already the best hitter on the team. Everybody knew it. <laughs> You don't have so little swing and miss and such high contact rates from both sides of the plate as a switch hitter. It never, ever happens. And I had this debate with some the guys on Baseball America. They're like, name us the five best players in Major League Baseball. And I put Wander Franco in there. And they're like, why? How can you actually do that? He hasn't played enough. I said, nobody can ever do what he's done. He's the best switch hitter we've seen since Chipper Jones. And there aren't many guys you can put in the league right now in the same conversation as Chipper Jones. Yes, right. Bill Hayes in there, you know, Mike Trout, yeah, DeGrom is a great, you know, talent that I had in there. So I just think, you know, the system is at fault, to be honest, uh, because of the playing time and the, the control that the teams want over guys. But the, the pandemic had a lot to do with it as well, because if he would have been able to show what he could do, you know, in double A, triple A last year, he skipped over double A. I think sometimes that gets missed too. Like not many guys skip over double A. You have... What, uh, A-Rod and, and Juan Soto or two other guys that kind of did it, you know, handily. But yeah. even Vladdy Jr. couldn't do that. Like, he he went through the each level. So it, it's one of those things where it makes his season and what he accomplished even, even better than it already is. I think once we see his power come through, and I think we will, and we saw it in the playoffs a little bit, going doing what he did in the playoffs in the short time that he was there, it just speaks that when he gets there again, look out <laughs> because he's going to light it up. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, brother, I, I can't thank you enough. I tell you, Matt, for, for being here today with us and, and sharing, you know, a look at the farm system, looking at what the Rays have done, looking at potential movement here and there. And man, anybody, like I said, if you want to catch up with what's, what's going on with the race, if you want to see that garden that is growing, Matt does a great job of that on Twitter. So, uh, again, Matt Germain, that's, let's say, underscore Matt, and that's M-A-T, and then underscore Germain, and that's G-E-R-M-A-I-N. And you're there, like, brother. I, I look at your stuff every day because I learned something new. So thank you for doing that. Not a problem at all. I love it. Thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure having you here on Baseball Biz. And I want to pick your brain again in the future. I know you're working on some special projects you can't talk about right now, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to those as well, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was Matt Germain joining us here today on Baseball Biz. Want to thank him and thank you all for joining us. And uh, raise up. You've been listening to Baseball Biz. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast directory, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks again. And remember, you can also check us out on Twitter at the baseball biz. Take care and have a great week. Special thanks to X Take RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>